AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Well, the March report was not, well, not quite a resounding yawn. Purdue University's report that exports are a concern for farmers turned out to be somewhat prophetic. This afternoon, we'll talk interest rates, credit, and really, it kind of all goes back to the Fed. That, and, of course, some report details. Live from the Report Day Afterglow via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I will talk with John Payne from Hedgepoint Global. And right after the news, Todd Bubba Horwitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome guest host, Davis Michelson. All by myself as Chip travels to sunny Orlando, Florida for the Commodity Classic. I know he's excited to get down there. Part of it is because of the snow. I don't know if it's snowing there yet or now or will be soon. It's going to if it isn't. Um, he's headed down there. Big Apple Joe is like everybody that I know is headed down there. Uh, the, the skeleton crew is in full effect here at AgriTalk, but doggone it, we've got a heck of a show planned out for y'all. I'm really glad that you have decided to spend some time with us this afternoon. John Payne from Hedgepoint Global is always a great chat. Uh, the last time that, let's see, I have John Payne in my notes was the 9th of December, 2022. I'm going to refer back to some of his, his comments then because... <laughs> Doggone it, I think the guy was right. Clear back in December, he saw it coming. Um, and speaking of prophetic, I mentioned that in my uh, intro. Purdue University's report that exports over concern for farmers turned out to be, quote, somewhat prophetic. We'll talk about that because there was a key number that moved that does seem conspicuous. And again, that goes back to something that John was talking about clear back in December. We're going to cover that. We'll hear from Bubba. Um the Fed has turned hawkish. I don't know if he's going to like that or not. You know, Chip has always talked about, well, we got to rip the Band-Aid off. It, it needs to be painful in order to stop inflation. And, you know, it it, it makes sense. you you got to slow this thing down somehow. And it looks like the Fed's, Fed may take a more aggressive course. I wonder if Bubba's going to like that or not. We're going to try and keep him calm from the jump and just see how see how all that goes so lots to look forward to in this afternoon's hour once again so glad that you've joined us let's begin with today's news where wheat futures began today's trade with a negative tone edging lower for the fifth straight session as traders continue to expect the black sea grain deal to be extended usda left its wheat ending stocks forecast unchanged this month it also made no changes to its 22-23 wheat balance sheet. The national average on-farm cash price projection unchanged at nine bucks even. May hard red winter wheat futures were a penny higher at eight dollars and one quarter cent. May soft red wheat softened to ten and one half cents to six eighty-seven and one half. May spring wheat closed at eight oh six and one half. That's up a penny today. The thought on this black sea grain deal to be extended. 
tends to be among the uh, smart people that I've talked to, and they're pretty smart. Um, yeah, yeah, they'll extend the deal. Russia's probably going to hold on to the very end and make a big stink out of it, but eventually there will be an extension to the Black Sea grain deal. We'll see what John makes of it coming up. Corn futures were choppy ahead of USDA's reports, posting mild gains this morning. USDA raised its 2022-23 corn ending stocks forecast 75 million bushels from last month. That was greater than the 41 million bushel increase traders expected. That spurred post-report selling in the corn market. Boy, howdy, did it ever. The only change was a 75 million bushel cut to exports which are now projected at 1.850 billion bushels. USDA shaved a dime off the 2022-23 on-farm cash corn price to $6.60. May corn futures eight and three quarter cents lower at 6.25 and one half. July corn fell eight and one half cents to 6.14. December corn futures closed at 5.58, down nine cents on the day. Suddenly, it's all about concerns over exports, exports, exports. Soybeans were firmer to start the day as soy oil notched notable gains on corrective buying after experiencing three straight sessions of profit-taking. USDA cut its soybean ending stocks forecast by 15 million bushels from last month. That was slightly more than the trade expected. USDA cut projected crush 10 million bushels, but that was more than offset by a 25 million bushel increase to exports. The 22-23 National Average on-farm soybean price projection unchanged at 1430. May beans two and a quarter higher, fifteen seventeen and three quarters. July gained one and one half cent, fifteen oh six and one quarter. November soybean futures closed at thirteen seventy one, down two and uh, just two cents on the day. USDA left its cotton carryover projection unchanged this month. No adjustments to the balance sheet. December cotton thirty two points lower, eighty three twenty one. Livestocks, live cattle lower. Traders wait for the cash cattle trade to develop this morning. Cash sources expect cash cattle to strengthen, while packers are hoping to get feedlots to move cattle at steady to weaker prices. Feedlots are positioned to hold out for higher prices again this week. April fat cattle softened 52.5 to 165.45. June cattle gained a dime, 160.65. April feeder futures firmed a dollar and 40 cents to $200, seven and one half cents. And on the snout side, lean hog futures higher as strong underlying cash fundamentals increased buying efforts. CME lean hog index gained 18 cents to 79.09 as of Feb 6, extending its steady price increase over the past month and a half. April hogs 95 cents higher, 85.70. June hogs 20 cents higher, 100 dollars, 27 and one half cents on the close. Let's bring in now my pal Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. Good afternoon, Bubba. Good afternoon, the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, acting as the host today. How are you, buddy boy? <laughs> I'm Fed's, good. Well, the listen, the grains the Fed, keep going down. The yep, Fed yep. sucks. What do you want? Okay. Well, I, I was I was going to put it differently. I was just going to say the Fed is, is taking on a bit more hawkish tone. The let's just freaking rip the Band-Aid off crowd and make this a little bit more painful, a little more meaningful, should be happy with something like that. Well, I mean, listen, whatever the Fed is doing is wrong. As you know, they're always wrong. They've never made a good decision, but they have too much power, and they're too much off their mandate, right? You know, Chair Powell is the most powerful person in the world because he controls the money, right? It's either food or money. And they're, they're doing everything backwards and wrong. 
I mean, but when you when you try to manipulate or or dictate to markets that they should be, the free market doesn't allow to trade itself. And by not letting businesses that are failing go out of business, it creates a big mess. And they, that's how we get all this money printing, which really just reduces your value. And now with new loan values, I mean, what do you think? Is, how do you think a, a farmer is going to survive through this this year paying ten percent or twelve percent for for their money? Their input costs are going to the moon. Their output costs at the stores is at the moon. In the meantime, the wholesale price in which you, they buy them at is cheap. Where, where, where is this all going? Well, and we're s- slowly dripping lower in the corn and the wheat, especially the wheat. You kind of get the corn. I mean, uh, how far off a bottom might we be? You want to you well, wade into I, those I waters? We a, I thought we were bottoms a while ago. I'm I'm wrong, but again, I can't logically get my mind into. Something's got to give somewhere, Davis, yeah. and and the sort of the spread between wheat and corn yeah. is 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 at ridiculous levels. I know we got to go. I know the news is the record's going to be playing shortly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the record. That's good stuff. It's an eight track, actually. We've upgraded. Todd Bubba Horowitz, appreciate <laughs> sorry, you, buddy. Yeah. Love you, man. Get you later. <laughs> Stick around, okay, Davis. Thanks, man. Stick around for John Payne, Heads Point Global, coming up next. It's going to be a blast, everybody. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days unless you listen to AgriTalk. See, and the thing is, the good news is you are listening to AgriTalk right now. And I'm very glad, very great, grateful. Thank you for tuning in. Your pal, Davis Michelson, behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk in for Chip Flory. Um, I will uh, I will be hosting tomorrow morning as well. I've got Brian Grady to discuss some of the report details and other Brian stuff. I mean, you never know what you're going to get from the Brian Stein. Then I've got Josh Linville. We're going to talk fertilizer in today's fourth segment, I'm going to give you a, a look at what the retail markets are doing. Uh, I sort of hinted at those this morning on the morning show with our free-for-all. Um, but So I'll, I'll give you the straight skinny on all of that. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, and then we've got uh, Greta from the uh, Iowa Turkey Federation. I, I want to get an update from from her. That's all tomorrow morning on, uh, on AgriTalk. This afternoon, right now, we've got uh, John Payne. From Hedgepoint Global, John, uh, thanks so much for being on with us today. Good afternoon. Salutations. How's everything? Everything's great. Thanks for having me. It uh, makes my month or uh, once every other month I'm on with you guys. A lot yeah. of fun. Where's Chip today? Chip is on his way to sunny Florida. He's going to Orlando for Commodity Classic. Very nice. Yeah. yeah I, I passed on that this year. It was uh, 
that's one of the shows that that's fun, but yeah. it's been a long travel season. You know, this is the time of the year where guys in my shoes have to go and stay in super eight hotels all around the Midwest. And, uh, yeah, you know, I gotta, I'm going to sit around this one. What, what's, where are you, where are you based out of generally? What are you? I, I'm based out of Chicago, but okay. I work with, you know, producers, mainly West Texas, West Kansas. I mean, pretty much everywhere in the Midwest, but those oh, areas yeah. are where, where I've kind of cut my teeth as far as the beginning of marketing. Um, so my days right now are filled with making margin calls on feeder cattle. So yeah. I got an idea for Yellowstone. Uh, oh, you do? Okay. They should have Beth. They should have <laughs> Beth get a call from a broker requesting <laughs> eight figures to make a margin call on feeder cattle and see what she says. Well, my investment in the Team 200 Feeders baseball jerseys really paid off just today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's been a heck of a ride. I think it's undervalued. It shows, you know, the value of livestock right now is is um, is an interesting dynamic because I feel like we're at the tail end of, you know, whatever happened with COVID and the monetary policy of, you know, first kind of faking it through the first part of COVID and then trying to retract everything that, you know, was put into the economy during that time so that we can kind of get out the other side. During that whole experience, you know, livestock didn't care. They, they you can't fake it. You yeah. can't, you know, you can't add to the supply, you know, um, synthetically. And right now, I think you see the result of feedlot margins that have been fantastic, even with 650 corn. The guys in the mm -hmm. feedlots have been making a lot of money uh, the last few months. And now you see uh, feeders start to get up there and it's the cowboy's turn. It's, it's their turn now. We'll see yeah. how long it lasts. But Sep trading 220 today, uh, you know that is a that's that's a that's a price that is not going to get the uh, the meatpacking plants excited. Well, and we've been watching this battle uh, go on in the cash cattle market uh, be, between the the packers and the feedlots, and you know at you look at it once and it'll be like oh yeah the well it needs are. Uh, a plenty and it's no problem and feedlots are just moving stuff and then suddenly it's we're waiting for cash cattle trade to develop. Packers are kind of waiting until the end of the week and feedlots are like, nah, nah, it's, it'll go higher. We'll wait. Yeah. We'll hold out. And this back and forth has been fascinating to watch. Yeah. It's been fascinating. It's been, I work with some pretty decent sized feedlots and to see their perspective. And, you know, when early in my career, I worked a lot with producers. So the, the real crowd producers, you know, were mainly my clients and then slowly kind of just shifted into the commercial side where I, I doing now more, more commercial work. And, um, you know, the feedlots specifically, um, you know, they don't want to be paying these feedlot prices, but, you know, they know that one cash is difficult to come by and they have cash. You know, they've, mm -hmm. most of these guys have done pretty well here and have been able to accumulate cash. And in this economy, that gives you a lot of leverage. And I think right now the meatpacking plants, you know, they're, they're going to be put to, to the stress here. And, uh, you know, I worry a little bit about when you see something pop, maybe a small plant go out of business, whatever, a bid drops somewhere. Then all of a sudden you're staring at 160 feeders and 220 or 160, uh, 160 fats mm -hmm. with, you know, 210 feeders. And, and that is going to be a difficult thing for everybody to swallow. Well, and I don't know, I'm super not in tune with cattle cycles and all that sort of stuff. Chip is, is super big on those. Um, and I, it's an unfair question to ask you how long this will last, but it, it seems like um, maybe maybe a smaller guy or even the bigger guys, uh, the Cowboys might want to do something to take advantage here. 
Yeah, I mean, there's government programs. The LRP one, if you go to like uh, NCBA, I mean, they're littered everywhere to to buy livestock insurance. I, in my experience, I've been working with stock growers for seven, eight years. And none of them were wanting to, they weren't wanting to manage risk. They just really weren't interested in it, which I don't blame. They don't run a lot of cash flow. And when you're going to manage risk, like in feeder cattle, for example, mm-hmm. you know, you got to really realize how much cash is being set out there. And right now you have two things that are happening. One, I mean, you have it on the grain side as well, where you have the sell-off happening, right? Mm-hmm. And that's creating margin calls, especially on the, on the buy side. So anybody who got like long, you know, if you were a, a, a guy coming to John Payne a year ago and been like, let's institute a hedge plan. It's like, okay, start mm-hmm. buying corn up here at $7. Well, now we find ourselves at, at $6.30 and on the, on the futures. And I yeah. come to you and I say, hey, I need cash flow to support these positions. You didn't mind buying at seven. You got to eat that decision. But in the meantime, we've got to support this position with cash. Well, now cash to borrow is 5%. You know, mm-hmm. so you have a position where I don't think the folks who are involved are probably set up the way they need to be with cash flow. And I think the market needs to adjust with that. Yeah. So corn specifically here in the deferred contracts is, is going to have a hard time finding a bid because you have like the commercial guys like I work with, for example, I want to go out and buy it because it pencils, right? I can go to an accountant and say, let's sell hogs here at this price and we'll buy corn and meal at this price. It won't work in the, in the spot markets, but it'll work in the deferred. So we go out and buy those deferreds. But the merchandisers who we do business with are like, nah, I ain't, I'm not posting that collateral for you for a year. They'll give me a little credit, but they won't give me a lot. So right. I've got to find money to lock in these positions. And that's where like these guys don't know what to do. So it's, I think we're at a, a point here where the market is going to get, you know, it's gyrated. It's already done it. I'm not as bearish as Bubba on everything. I think the market <laughs> will figure this out. He's been having a hard time lately. He's, he's yeah, no, I understand. He was going to go out tough. And, I mean, I'm yeah. certainly with him. You know, being in backwards positions is rough. But you know, I made the decision to sell two ten September feeders. You know, for example, I'm not saying I did, but you know, those are decisions I got to eat. You got to wear it. And you got to be prepared for this. And if you're not prepared for it, don't trade ahead. Use options. Use insurance. The government offers stuff. Um, you know, but I think one bad trade in these feeder cattle markets, you know, we're at 200 hours. So a 1% move is two bucks. Well, that's a thousand dollars a contract. Mm-hmm. You know, think of a guy who has 20, 30, 40 contracts on. So that's, yeah. that's where this can get kind of wild here in the short run. But I think in the long run, the cash markets are pretty steady. South, uh, South Korea bought corn today. Um, and again, I'm yeah. big on watching the foreign markets and where they trade and the, they're, they're slowly getting cheaper, but South Korea paying really what they've paid the last six months. So uh, I don't think that corn has a whole lot of downside in the near term. Dude. So I, I teased that I was going to refer back and, and don't worry, there are no gotchas here. Cause I think you were right on all of this stuff. I took notes uh, from a conversation with you, December 9 of 2022. And I have right here uh, in your comments about corn, watch Japan and Korea for corn buys. And here we are. Yeah. So what was it that had you thinking that then um, that led us to this point now? Well, you remember, you know, it's hard. The 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 thought, the whole in that strategy would be like, well, I'm watching current buys. So how does that help me six months from now? You yeah. know, and I think for me and a lot of folks in this business, I mean, personally, I've always been shy. I've never worked. No offense to the, to the clients listening out there, but the farmers I've worked with from the production side didn't want to throw a lot of money at this. So I was always hamstrung mm-hmm. to risk manage without a lot of cash flow. So with that, I used options and I'm willing to be wrong with options because it can't pay you. It's not going to be as beneficial when you're right. But I think at this point, you know, with corn, 
it's about the carry trade. It's about the difference between these two months. And you're going to slowly see the, the futures just eventually develop into where these futures contracts are right now. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I look at look at the deferreds. The, the long term contracts are the best to watch. These 24 traded down today. These 25 traded down today. You know, this is just, I think, a market that's essentially resetting with new cost of capital. I think in the short, short run, corn prices are steady. You know, I think a lot of it depends on what this Brazilian crop looks like. And it's, you know, without Ukraine, it's all about Brazil. So we'll see. Yeah. Without Ukraine. Oh, now that's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, we've added essentially like the state of Iowa and Illinois uh-huh. to the corn crop. So it's like we went out and found Brazil to plant all this corn to replace what happened in Ukraine. It's a big reason why we haven't, you know, everything's cheaper than it was when the war started. You know, and yet, and we we may have to hop to break on this. Um, so I'm just going to sort of float it out there. And yet I'm hearing all this concern about exports, especially corn exports. And even to the point where today we had really in a report with very few changes, you're seeing the corn export forecast cut 75 million bushels now i don't know if that's enough to really really you know make a meaningful impact and yet here it is we're going to talk more about that with john payne from hedgepoint global when we return here on agritalk thanks so much for tuning in stick around just a little bit won't you From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Argentina's soybean production could fall as low as 25 million metric tons, according to the head of Oil World, as the crop continues to struggle with weather stress. And speaking of weather, changing ocean surface temperatures from the tropical eastern Pacific Ocean to the north, central, and northeastern parts of the Pacific are expected to have great influence on world weather in the short term. World Weather Inc. says that pattern can potentially induce a warmer and drier weather scenario in the central United States. The House Ag Panel will hold a business meeting on Thursday for consideration of the budget views and estimates letter of the Committee on Ag for Fiscal 2024. The yield on two-year Treasury notes climbed to 50.011% on Tuesday. That's the highest since mid-2007. I might take John Payne to that topic there this as hawkish comments come from fed chair jerome powell get more tryprofarmer.com
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. John Payne, Hedgepoint Global, is my guest today. We're going to get right back to that conversation. But first, let's look at how the markets performed on the day. May hard red winter wheat futures were a penny higher at eight bucks and one quarter cent. May soft red wheat down ten and one half cents, six eighty-seven and one half. May corn futures eight and three quarter cents lower, six twenty-five and a half. December corn futures closed at five fifty-eight. That's down nine cents on the day. May soybean futures were two and a quarter cents higher, fifteen seventeen and three quarters. Novi beans closed at thirteen seventy-one and one half, down two cents today. December cotton, 32 points lower, 83.21. On your livestocks, April fat cattle down 52.5, April feeder futures firmed $1.40 to $200, 7.5. And April lean hog futures 95 cents higher at 85.70. That's your quick market recap. My guest, as I said, John Payne, Hedgepoint Global. Um, John, on the other side of the break, I started talking about uh, corn exports and the concerns there. The thing with this report, you know, you know, you hear people use the words overwhelmed and you hear the word underwhelmed, but you never hear anybody use the word whelm without over or under on it. Um, except for the corn export forecast, this was just sort of a whelming report for me. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, I think at this point in the cycle, you would think, okay, we're going to lose corn exports, obviously, but I think we'll export more meat, you know, and I think that the feed numbers will pick up eventually. So I'm not super okay. concerned about exports. I think okay. that in the near term, obviously, you want to see the U.S. get business. This is the window for corn. Brazil's like busy selling beans. They're moving beans right now. So the window for U.S. corn were the cheapest in the world. Argentina's, again, I can't be restated enough, like how bad things are in Argentina. Like to the point where it's like 2012, they're going to lose half the crop. So, you know, they're a, a big user of, of corn outside of just exports. They use a ton of it. They might have to import from Brazil, which is just bananas to think about. And um, so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of somewhat bullish here from, from the standpoint of U.S. exports. I think, you know, Mexico will be in the market for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I would bet the Chinese buy. So I think well, in, the, in the short run. And that's an interesting thought too that that maybe we don't export the corn in the form of corn, but we put hoofs on it and export it that way instead. Yeah, that takes a while, but I think that's what we need to, to look at um, specifically on on the meat side. You know, I I think you should you should see some price pressure here. You know, there's two things that have dynamically happened since COVID. One, you've seen the, the beef price steady out at a higher level. Um, but it hasn't gotten to a point where the consumers stopped buying it. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is we have a tremendous amount of freezer stocks. Like I'm talking like records freezer stocks so much that there's a store. I live in suburban Chicago, a store opened up a couple of weeks ago that just sells frozen live or frozen meat mm. of all kinds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, my ears are perking. I'm like, why am I getting sold this? Obviously there's, there's beef around yeah. at the same time though, the margins haven't stopped these guys from from killing. So the slaughter has stayed where it was. I think you will see that slaughter dip. That's what I worry about on the live side. 
yeah. is that the live falls, the, 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 the livestock, the cowboy needs to be incentivized to produce more next year. Well, we need to do that. You got to hold them back. So I've got a new hobby right now. And yeah, anybody was- listen, shoot me some advice. I love watching cattle auctions. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like watching horse racing. <laughs> yeah. It almost feels like I should be betting on it. I don't know. Somehow yeah. I'd like to try. But it's it's fantastic and, and fascinating to watch at the same time. <laughs> you may be a cowboy at heart. You may need to move out by Yellowstone there and get you something going. <laughs> it's like Dallas. You know, the, the what they say the story is in uh, the, the Soviet Union was crushed by the show Dallas because Dallas showed how all these cowboys were living so great off the land when they were with oil and cattle and this and that. Yeah. And the Russians figured it out. And I think with this whole Russia deal, you know, the big loser in all this is the Russian farmer. Nobody ever says anything about him. He's the no. one who's getting blocked on his export markets and there nobody wants to do business with. Him. Yeah. Well, he needs those guys to first for soldiering anyway right yeah i mean that's an understated thing we've assumed we're assuming a bunch right now in the markets one we're assuming that brazil is going to continue to come in here and grow like they're growing which is just bananas from somebody who looks at the economics of it you're like wait this isn't really fair you know it's like it's just so so cheap down there for some of these guys to move to i have guys that i know we're a brazilian company they're taking their farms from traditional farmland in brazil and moving them to ground near near the Amazon mm-hmm. that they can use essentially labor that's like, you know, uh, Aborigines to a degree. They, they're mm-hmm. like, in, you know, they're not a part of society. There's okay. no roads. So it's it's a dynamic. I don't know how it solves itself. And the, and the U.S. farmer in, in this country is kind of in the crosshairs right now. So we're well, assuming Brazil production and then we're assuming Russian production. And that's tough to compete with. Uh, the Brazilian situation that you're outlining there is tough to compete with when we're talking about uh, the high cost of money right now, when we're talking about credit, when we're talking about, you know, needing to get operating loans at continuing, like interest rates just keep marching higher. We got your yeah. own Powell saying, yeah, we're going to stay aggressive. We're going to keep raising rates. We're going to keep fighting the fight until the fight's done. Um, at some point, does that, I mean, competitiveness has got to become a question for us. Absolutely. I mean, at this point, you think about what gets broken here. And that's where like Bubba, I agree with him to a degree. It's like, do they know what they're doing? Is it working? Is it not? It's like, it's designed to break the economy. Like what Mm -hmm. they're trying to do is the equivalence of going out and saying, you know, you need to, you need to stop moving around so much. So let's go jump off my roof and break my legs so I can sit down for a couple of weeks. Right. You know, and that's like where I think we need to see job losses show up and they're showing up, they're showing up in areas like tech. Well, I mean, the Midwest, you know, I'm not saying there isn't a lot of tech in the Midwest, but there's not these booming areas. So you've seen it like able to the the Midwest has been able to handle it. Whereas these these other areas like they're starting to get into the point where you have to Mm reborrow, you know, and we've been living on covid money. I think a lot of covid money has kind of floated this last year long here. But from the standpoint of like demand, demand has not been broken yet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about what people can afford and what they can't afford. I don't know. I'm not here to argue, but I I live in an area where I can see kids spending massive sums of money on things that have zero value. So they can afford to pay more for their meat, you know? Um, Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's kind of where I sit. I think the U.S. ag sector is in a good spot. I think the worry I have is, as I was saying earlier, it's from the credit standpoint, the merchandisers are getting hammered. So if Davis, let's say I'm buying corn from you to feed my chickens davis mm-hmm. in the last 10 years we've been you've been a great partner of mine right i call oh, you sure. six months out i say i want to buy ten thousand bushels of corn for delivery and you do it and and we have no problems 
But then all of a sudden the market happens and the capital costs get high. And then all of a sudden I say, hey, Davis, I need to buy my 10,000 bushels ahead. And you're like, listen, man, I don't have the money to post your margin calls for you. Yeah. I don't have the money to go out and put these positions on ahead because as they move and make margin calls, I have to deal with them. You're just mm-hmm. sitting there using the corn and you're using my money for free. Right. And my money should cost 5%. So I think the market right now is trying to deal with that. And when I sit back and I'm, again, I'm a child of the eighties. I, re- I don't remember the crash, but I remember going to land auctions. I remember going to those things. And yeah. For some reason, people were depressed, you know, and I was at, like 10 years old, but that happens to me. And honestly, this is a guess, but I could see it happening to the buy side where like all of a sudden these food processing companies that have been around forever, they're like, wait, you mean we have to start putting up money to buy ahead? Wait, mm. like we have to start participating in this. You know, mm-hmm. if, if a company has been around for 15 years, they haven't had to do that because the cost of capital has been zero. So when you talk about breaking legs, about creating pain within the system to, uh, to slow it down to to fix it basically longer term. Yeah. Um, do do broken legs figuratively? I'm speaking figuratively at at that level, at the manufacturing level. Does that is that where it needs to go? I think it probably goes overseas. I think Anna, that would be my bet. It, it it like we're gonna have a race. It's almost like doing weightlifting with us in Europe. And it's like who can have higher rates? Who can have stronger rates? It's like the more we pump. The more we run together, I think a, a good analogy of all of this is like a marathon, right? And we're all running marathons together. But in reality, some of us are faster than others. Mm-hmm. So in the case of Europe and the U.S., like we're both kind of the fastest economies right now from the developed standpoint. And we're both running really hard. We have high interest rates. You know, we have inflation data that supports economic looks good. There's jobs. I mean, I'm not like saying this in a frugal or in a funny way, but like things are good right now from this moment when you look at like the data points. Things look good. Trending wise, not so much. But from the standpoint of who breaks first, I think Europe breaks first. And as soon as they make that turn to say, hey, we're going to start to cut money and start talking to do the things like Bubba says, that's when you could see the fund money come jumping back in. But that can get expensive to wait for. Yeah. You know, and I I think the, the market has to we have to see some pain. There has to be something that that economically to change it's it's like a drug user you have to stop and feel the pain right. you have to go through those withdrawals and that stinks but in the long run you might be better off and that's the thing since the financial crisis we really haven't had that happen we've had governments continuously come in and bail out mm-hmm. and now we're at a point where it's like who do you bail out which sector commercial real estate you know you want to go with those you want to go with shipping companies <laughs> i mean there's a million yeah. of them to trains yeah. airlines boy take your pick Take your, yeah, pick. take your pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we really we don't have much time. Uh, quickly, the yield on two-year Treasury notes up above five uh, percent mm-hmm. yesterday is is that a big deal? Does that tell us anything? Yeah. We don't have much time at all. It's a big deal. You'll feel it in a couple of months. Like it, that stuff all takes time to get through, but you can see it on the financial services side where I work. Takes a lot of money to run these companies, and that cost of capital is eating into our profit margins. So we're going to have to cut jobs. That's typically the way this will work out, I think. Right on. And until John that Payne. happens, there's no yep. reason to bring rates down. Excellent. Excellent. I'm going to go back and listen through all this again, probably a couple have times. Have me on again. Bro. I love it. Thanks a lot. You guys are Dude, so much Dude, I appreciate fun. it. John Payne, Hedgepoint Global. He is the man. We're going to come back. Uh, I want to go over a couple of stories you might have missed from this morning's news. Uh, update you on fertilizer prices and prep you for tomorrow morning's exciting AgriTalk. 
So stick around through the break. It's your pal Davis Michelson, AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on now. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson. So glad you've tuned in today. A fantastic conversation with John Payne, especially for you cowboys out there. Uh, and if by some miracle you missed the first uh, the second segment actually technically my first segment with john uh go back and give it a listen some really really useful information some super clever insights on the cattle market what's going on right now and uh what 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 is to be done about it um we also talked an awful lot about economic type stuff and it it just I'm gonna to get to fertilizer here in a little bit. I want to do a thing with that too. I'll explain that as well. A couple of stories from this morning's news that I just want to revisit in case you uh, didn't catch the morning show, the news segment. First of all, uh, the Federal Reserve expects to raise interest rates multiple times in the coming months and says it is prepared to reaccelerate its pace of monetary policy tightening if needed. Um, Fed Chair Jerome Powell. Uh, was before the Senate Banking Committee yesterday, and today is uh, before the House Financial Services Committee, taking on a hawkish tone. He's he's says he's expecting to fire it up again, to to get more aggressive than they have been in the last few uh, rate increase cycles. And the idea is we Chip has talked about this before, and this is one of those sort of unfortunate things. It's it sounds icky. Longer term, what's needed in order to get out in front of inflation and to pull it back is is a little bit of financial pain here uh, in the present day. And we're not seeing that based on what the Fed has done. That's what, what Bubba is like. They're not doing the right thing. This is what he means. Here's an example from this morning's news. Private businesses in the U.S. unexpectedly created 242,000 jobs in February. That was well above January's number and way better than market forecasts. Where did those jobs come from? Uh, service sector added 190,000 jobs. Uh, leisure, hospitality, think hotels, think people going somewhere on trips, vacations, uh, maybe going out on high-priced speaking engagements or to things like Commodity Classic, Top Producer Seminar, these sorts of things. 
they all got to happen at a hotel or a convention center or something. Leisure and hospitality. Goods producing industry added 52,000 jobs. This as annual wage growth decelerated slightly. Um, another economic indicator, U.S. mortgage applications up 7.4% in the weekend of March. That's the first increase in four weeks. Applications to refinance a home loan, which had dipped frighteningly so, uh, actually jumped 9.4%. And applications to purchase the home loan up 6.6%, 30-year fixed rate at 6.7%. That's a fresh high since November. If people are suddenly showing up, applying for mortgages at a 6.79% print, um, which, come on, we know. The, if that's the average, there are people out there that are well above that, some below. Uh is it is it not a concern? It just doesn't. It these these stories haven't haven't laid out a case that there is significant pain out there to to cause the sort of pullbacks among the consumers, among manufacturers, um, even even among the hospitality industry to to quell inflation. And so it looks like more pain is needed. Um, on the subject of pain, let's talk fertilizer. Um, I've got this according to USDA. Now, these numbers were uh, were out in late February, February 23rd, and I'm doing this on purpose. I think that the fresh numbers from USDA will come out this week. Uh, I think it's tomorrow and Friday they come out. There may be some numbers out already. Anyway, in that reporting period, which is the most recent set of data, we've got anhydrous ammonia down $13.67 this is uh, an average of Illinois and Iowa over a two-week period. Down 13 bucks to $1,213.84. DAP was up 2 bucks, $1,000.29. MAP was down $21 to $1053.18. Vitamin K potash dipped below $1,000. Uh, fell, yes, that's right, fell $60.33. Uh, $60. Down to six sixty fifty. UAN twenty eight percent was down eighteen dollars seventeen cents five sixty six sixty. UAN thirty two percent. We talked about this this morning uh, with Luke and Nick. Down thirty dollars thirty three cents five eighty seven sixty seven. Urea was off twelve dollars thirty eight cents six ninety seven seventy five. Um, all told, our nutrient composite index was off fifty six point five three points to 1135.65 um your diesel is off encouragingly down 14 cents um in Iowa 2 weeks ago they had it at an average of $3.38 per gallon Illinois right at 350 again off 14 cents on the week to $3.44 uh LP was up 4 cents uh, LP we're kind of beyond really being all that concerned with it, but a buck 97 that's that's been a significant increase over the past few years and so the thing is we saw much sharper declines in the previous was it two or maybe even three reports from usda when they reported fertilizer pricing out of iowa and illinois 
uh, to the tune of like 20 bucks a week, 30 bucks or a period per period per two week period, 20 bucks, 30 bucks at a time. Now we're starting to slow. DAP even was a little bit higher. Does that indicate a potential bounce for us here? These are moving. I'm, I'm going to say it again. These are moving against the three-year average seasonal price path. The downtrend is not what we've seen when we averaged the last three years or even on a raw pricing basis over the last three years. Um, if you're holding out for fertilizer to go lower, uh, UAN is the danger zone. Uh, Luke and Nick were especially poignant about the UAN this morning. We're going to check in with these fertilizer prices when they're updated, either late later this week or early next week. Uh, come back tomorrow morning. we got Brian Grady, Josh Linville to talk fertilizer, and we've got Greta Irwin from the Iowa Turkey Producers.